Welcome back, everyone. Today, we have two very special guests with us. You may know them as Renzi or Ryan and Lindsay. Welcome, Ryan and Lindsay. We are so excited to sit down and talk with you both. First off, congrats on your new bundle of joy. Avery June is her name. Yes, yes. thank you. We we're, love uh, updates on, on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Was she born in June? Is that a rhetorical question? No, that's my grandmother's name. Oh. Um, so we wanted the name Avery, but we wanted a name that had some good nicknames. So we added June to have um, like AJ and yeah. June. But yeah, it's my mm -hmm. grandmother. I love it. My son was Anthony Jason. We were, we had full intentions of him being AJ, but it didn't stick with him. But like, that was like our goal in life was to have him. Oh, so <laughs> <laughs> So before we dive in, um, some people who are listening might not know who you are. So if you wouldn't mind introducing yourselves and talk a little bit about how you got into reselling. I'm so excited for this story. I know. Yes, yeah, so we are um, Ryan and Lindsay. We're a husband and wife team up in Maine, and we are full-time shoe resellers. We use Poshmark and Mercari and Facebook Marketplace. We've been doing it for four and a half years now, almost. We've been doing it since before we got married, wow. and then we got married, and it got even better, and now we've had a little, our first of what might be a couple, and we're going to continue the adventure. Look at you already talking about your next baby. Love I love it. it. Lindsay was really quiet during that part. Right? <laughs> how, how, we got, how we got started. Our second date, uh, I asked Lindsay, she didn't know it was going to be a date yet, but I said, hey, there's a pile, there's a pile of free weights that is in a pile of snow about 30 minutes away. Do you want to drive with me to pick them up and we can resell them? And she didn't even skip a beat. She's like, yeah, let's go. Let's go. And so she came with me and we dug the weights out and then I never listed them and they sat in the basement and they, that was our first uh, understanding about death piles and, and how important it is to get everything listed. And then fast forward to when we started with shoes, we had no, we had zero intention of doing this full time, uh, but we had planned a trip to Puerto Rico years ago before they had their first set of just absolutely major devastating storms. So we had planned to go and we wanted to raise a little bit extra money um, for the trip. And so we started selling things that we had around the house. And very quickly we realized like, oh, this could be a thing. Right. Uh, and we started with like wooden bowls and toasters and, you know, know vcrs and keurigs and like all the things that you would you would imagine are just kind of around the house that you really don't need mm -hmm. and we we sold a pair we each had extra shoes in the closet nothing crazy um and our very first pair sold was a pair of my uh men's 10 and a half under armor running shoes like nothing crazy mm -hmm. uh and we put them up on facebook marketplace for 25 dollars. and right away a gentleman reached out to me and said hey can you meet at the local grocery store i'd love to buy these met him at the local grocery store. And as this man approached me, he was a giant. Like this man was maybe pushing seven feet. Uh, mm -hmm. And I was looking at his feet as he was coming towards me. And I was like, there's no way, there's no way this guy's going to fit in this pair of shoes. And so as he came towards me, he had the money in hand, he hands me the money. And I reluctantly hand him the pair of shoes, men's 10 and a half. Let me remind you. And he said, thank you. And I said, wait, 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 before you leave, can you try these on? Because I'm going to feel really bad. In my mind, I thought I had like listed them as a different size or, 
or whatever. And he's like, no, no, I'm good. And I'm like, no, I'd, I'd really feel better if you try these on. I feel like you're going to get home and they're not going to work. So to appease me, Lindsay's in the car. I'm standing on the sidewalk to appease me. He tries to jam his men's size 15 foot into these shoes. And I, right away, like his heel wouldn't go in. The knuckles of his feet were, were, were pushing, you know, and I could, and I, and he looked at me, he's like, yeah, these are great. And I was like, what? They don't fit. And he's like, oh, I'm going to sell these for 50 bucks. And I, I right away was like, wait a minute, what? This is a used pair of shoes. He's giving me exactly what I want for them, but he's going to make money on them. So I get back to the car and I said, maybe we should look into reselling shoes. And then uh, we were basically off and running. We sold all the shoes in our closet and then realized you could go to the thrift store. And then we've grown uh, leaps and bounds since then. Such that is a cool story. That is such, <laughs> I think that's my favorite backdrop story. That is so cool. And also like how you must've known Lindsay was the one when she said that she would go dig out <laughs> in the snow in Maine. I mean, I know, I almost, let's go dig. <laughs> I almost proposed right then, but I figured, I figured I, I, she needs to get to know me a little bit more, but I was locked in at that point. Sounds <laughs> good. So Lindsay, did you do any sort of reselling um, prior to that, that outing with Ryan that day? Or was that kind of like your first intro? I didn't. I uh, was working for a family business, a handbag company where we were. um, So I was doing all the like sewing and hand making handbags and selling them. So I had like the business side of it down, um, but not the, the sourcing and not the reselling, but um, in the same, what Ryan left out of our story was that in that same period of time, I actually had gotten fired from my job, my family business, long story, uh, messy thing. That's why I left it out. I tried to keep it, you know, positive. Aww. And uh, well, it turned out <laughs> okay. to never, but um, I had gotten fired. So we also just needed money for the bills. So we were planning the vacation, but also we we really went full time day one because we needed to to make money to actually pay rent and utilities and all of that um, good stuff. But yeah, we just kind of went all in, all in with that that first pair of shoes sold, and we paid all of our bills that first month just reselling shoes only on Facebook Marketplace and only this was before you could ship on Facebook Marketplace. So we were just driving around Portland, mm-hmm. Maine, delivering shoes. They were all twenty five dollars a pair. And uh, that our, that's how we sold our first 1,000 pairs. Wow. That's wow. really fascinating, too. Such a good story. Um, and I was curious where, where in Maine you were from. So you're from the Portland area? Yeah. I yep. love Portland so much. I know. So it's such a nice area. Oh, exciting. That's great. Um, and so, Ryan, what were you doing for work prior to this? Uh, I'm, I'm 38 years old right now. I've literally done everything. We both have college degrees, everything under the the sun um at that time i was just bartending downtown portland at one of the hotels so when she was let go um in in just a really unfortunate way i still was bartending but it obviously wasn't very fulfilling and we had the conversation and we said hey why don't we just give this a try like this month let's if we can pay all our bills this month then we're off and running but if we can't I'll go get another bartending job. We can, there's other jobs that you can get Mm -hmm. out there that will pay the bills. They may not be as, you know, fulfilling, but, Mm -hmm. and so we decided to dive in head first. We don't really recommend that unless you're that type of person where we were, we were very, uh, no excuses. Like it's either going to be our fault that it doesn't work or it's going to be our fault when it works. Mm -hmm. And so 
after we found the success in that first month, we just kept setting the bar uh, a little tiny bit higher based on what our goals were. And uh, we literally have not looked back. Unbelievable. Love that. How many shoes do you have in your inventory right now? Right now we have about 3,500. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Your system yeah. fascinates me where like the, the sold yeah. rack with like the slip in between and the thank you, like you have so it down. Like We're so organized. I love it. I love it. And maybe that comes with streamlining, streamlining your business so much. So like you have done. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that first month. Yeah. So we, we just bought a house a couple months ago uh, in the woods in Maine, just outside of Portland. But when we first started, I moved in with Lindsay in her apartment with her brother. Uh, bless bless that kid because he's a lawyer and all of a sudden the entire apartment was filled with used shoes <laughs> and so you want to talk about not a good system when we first started they, literally the living room when friends would come over was just racks of like shoes. let me move these Nikes for you <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry <laughs> and and I, I do say this all the time but I really do mean it like I feel really lucky not only did I meet uh Lindsay and we've built an amazing relationship and we're starting to build our family but she comes from a really amazing family her brother again lawyer downtown Portland could have very easily rightfully so said no no no, I don't want like all these shoes in the house but instead he was like hey I'm going hiking this weekend do you have any great hiking boots and I was like my man you get whatever shoes. I'm gonna give you a really good deal. Yeah, you get the family discount, aka free. Like you can have whatever you want. And getting back to your original point, our systems have absolutely changed over the years, but we're constantly thinking about how can we hit our goals or exceed our goals by by spending less time because we didn't get into full time reselling to be running around working 23 hours a day, we really wanted what we saw other people, you know, the classic time freedom, financial freedom, all the, mm-hmm. the big, bold terms. But we, we've really, since day one, dedicated ourselves to actual, like, okay, how can we get to X by, you know, only working a couple hours? And of course, in the beginning, we had no idea. So we would have to work a lot more hours. But over time, it's refined down to, like you said, we have a good shipping system. We've got a good storage system. We've got a good, all our systems are in place. They're not perfect, but we're always trying to improve them so that we can spend the most time um, spending time with each other and now with Avery. Yeah. And it takes time to get to that point too. I think people always feel like they need to reach that like nirvana, that perfection. And it just takes time. Like you've alluded to, you've been doing this for four years now when like you're finally at a place where you feel like you can have a little bit of freedom, enjoy the time to spend with your family, you know, and do all that. But it, it took work. <laughs> to get there yeah yeah well and the one thing what you just said is is the best advice like it takes work and the one thing that I'll add to that is it takes honesty Mm -hmm. so like a lot of the times we have the pleasure of of through Instagram talking to hundreds of resellers every day just because people reach out and we love that but what it always comes down to is people aren't being honest with themselves They'll, they'll either not honestly look at their system or they'll honestly say, like, oh, I don't know why I'm not getting more sales, even though I have four storage units full of stuff that I haven't listed. And it's like, it, your, your system's broken. You are the variable. There's people that are very successful reselling shoes, reselling clothes, reselling VCRs. So you have to figure out what works best for you and be honest with yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I also think that, yeah, sometimes people will look at what you have and they forget 
that four years went into it and all the trials and errors and, and, you know, they look at, they want what you have now today and they don't realize what it's going to take. So I think that's where a lot of like the excuses or things like that come in. And um, you guys seem like so a the, very honest couple, which I the love. The big thing with us too was from day one, like literally the first thing we sold, like a toaster or whatever it was, mm. we kept track of everything. So we had a spreadsheet. It's still the same spreadsheet. It's like changed a little bit. And obviously we um, don't have the various kitchen appliances on it anymore. And it's all shoes, yeah. but we've had the same Google sheet spreadsheet since June of 2017. Yep. And we've known exactly on any day going back the four and a half years, what we sold how much money we made, like how much everything costs. Like we keep track of everything so that we are able to critique our business in an accurate way because we can look on paper at, you know, what we're spending, what we're selling. Um, yeah. You have to know your numbers to, in order to make those, you know, educated decisions about your business. Are you both numbers people or is one more numbers and one? I'm way more numbers. <laughs> I was getting yeah. that vibe. <laughs> My mom has like a master's. Only because you said you had the family business before too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My mom has a master's in mathematics and is like very systems based and um, numbers focused. And I definitely get that from her. My dad's actually an engineer. So I guess from both of them. Yeah, that's great. Um, she, she's the beauty. She's the brains. I just I just carry the packages. That's it. <laughs> You're a great team. Well, that's for sure. A great team. A great team. Yes. And it's really nice to have, you know, both sides. And I'm, I'm sure, Lindsay, you're pretty creative as well. But like to have the number side. Um, my husband is an accountant and there is no way I would be able to do what I do without him because that part of my business would absolutely fall apart um, if he wasn't picking up after me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so that's I, nice. I have a question for you guys. I know you you focus on shoes as your thing, but did you ever contemplate going going into clothing? Was that ever anything that you tried out? Did it work for you? Did it not work for you? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, after I, I can't remember how long we had been only reselling shoes, and we we like when people reach out to us and ask questions, we love it because that's what we did. And the reason I said that is to say this, like we would reach out to other big resellers, right. That like we're doing six figures and we would ask them questions like, Hey, what are you doing differently than what we are doing? Cause we want to get to where you are. And one particular conversation, uh, the individual said, well, you guys are only shoes. So you need to figure out another category or another two categories and then get each of those categories up to $100 profit per day. So the, the, basically the conversation boiled down to get three categories up to $100 profit per day. And then you're looking at six figures. And so we said, okay, well, they're, they're out of place that we want to be. We were naive. This was in the first year. And so we said, all right, let's try this clothes thing. And so if you go way back on our Instagram, we have posts where we're like, all right, we're going to be sourcing clothes now and our strategy is you know obviously go to the thrifts on dollar days and look for certain brands and here's our system that we're going to use uh the clothes pin system and here's how we're going to photograph them and a couple of things if you're listening to this the money was amazing right like in 60 days we probably spent less than a hundred dollars and we brought in uh over nine hundred dollars so like the margins were great right mm -hmm. uh we did not enjoy any part of clothing. Like we didn't enjoy sourcing it. We didn't enjoy photographing it. We didn't enjoy 
talking about it now obviously we like wearing clothes and and all that stuff <laughs> but the the less the lesson here is where we did not enjoy parts of the business with clothing we did we love talking to people about shoes we love sourcing we love learning about the brands and so we said all right let's uh let's not do clothes anymore and let's try to get shoes up to three hundred dollars net profit like forget this different categories let's try to let's try to focus on the thing that we enjoy and we'll keep doing that and now uh it's been over a year fast forward a couple years where we're we're averaging over 500 dollars net profit only shoes and that's 85 to 90 percent used shoes so like everything that we had taken in we absorbed down into what we enjoy what we're good at what we like to grow with uh and then we just poured what we call pour gas on that fire and so if you're listening to this, whatever, if you're not enjoying certain parts, now you, there might be certain clothes that you don't enjoy and, and certain clothes that you do styles. There might be, uh, here's another thing. I'll leave the, the question, answer this question at that. There's people that reach out to us and they're like, oh my God, I cannot go into a thrift and even look at shoes. It drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. And we're like, so what are you doing? Don't, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Like you can resell other stuff, like find a category um that you enjoy interacting with because you need to be good at all the parts of reselling not just the hunt yeah that that's kind of really speaking to me right now because i'm a huge believer in um doing what really brings you happiness and joy and i really don't think you can fake it and i think it comes you can fake it because you have to pay the bills and in you can still do work that you don't enjoy and still be profitable but to make it long term and to love it and to you know see it through large scale or whatever your goals are, I think it's really hard if you don't like something. Um, I've talked to people who really want, you know, they want to grow on YouTube and they say, I hate YouTube. I hate filming myself. I hate talking. And I'm like, well, what are you doing? You know, like not that you couldn't be really consistent and gain a following and stuff, but if you hate it, like long-term it's, it's just going to really be hard, you know? Um, so you have to like, kind of think about what your why is and, um, yeah, to your point, like sometimes I struggle with like outdoor shoes, like Merrell's and Keen's, and I know the money that's in it, but it really just, it's its not my vibe sometimes and I'll yeah. pick it up and then <clears throat> I, I'm just not excited to list it or whatever, um, but, I, but I know it makes money. So like I struggle with that, but it's not something that I love, you know, what is in the big scheme of shoes, but Danielle and I both really do love sourcing shoes. There's great oh, money yeah. in shoes. There's great that's- money one of my it's my number one category is shoes I love it if I you know I've always thought about it to scale down and just do shoes and handbags but another part of me really loves the clothing aspect of this I've limited the amount of clothes that I pick up like I really try to stick to jeans and sweaters and like more of the that kind of stuff I don't do t-shirts I don't do intimates really like I just stick to what I really enjoy I try to anyway and um but a part of me really sees the money that can come from just selling shoes and handbags and like maybe down the line, that's something that I'll definitely focus more on. Cause this is for me, this is not my full-time job. So I have a full-time job. Um, this is my way of creating extra income for my family, extra income to do things that we want to do for how, you know, home improvements, all of that kind of stuff, you know, pay off my student loans, pay off my car. Um, but it's developing into more, the more and more I do it, the more I see the growth, the more that it's becoming a really big part of my life. And, um, it's nice to talk to people like you who have, basically made this become their full-time job as a couple. This is something my husband and I talk about all the time. 
and uh, and have evolved it to the way that you have. And to be able to do it with one category to me is like the be all end all. Like, you know, you know your stuff, you know that category, you know the brand. I mean, you're learning all the time. You know the brands, you know it sells and you're just like hyper-focused on that one thing. Sometimes I feel like when you have multiple categories going on, you lose focus on other things. It's really hard to be good at it all. So you're really good at like a couple of them and then you're okay at some other ones. And I feel like it's just constant process that sometimes can become overwhelming, especially when you're not doing it as your full-time income for your home. You know, it, it can definitely take over your life. So that's- Yeah, that's a, couple, a couple of things that you just said that, that I would love to reflect on is I think one of the craziest things that we see that people overlook is you as the reseller are in control of this profession, right? This, what, like you said, you, it's part-time right now. It might be full-time in the future. And like, you are the one holding that throttle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think people forget that it's literally, you are the boss. You are the person cleaning the toilets. You are the person like top to bottom. You are the person. So guess what? Give yourself a break and and slow down for a second in order to speed up mm-hmm. um and then more specific to us uh it's important for us to to see the potential rather than just throw this like kumbaya like oh we're gonna make a million dollars this year on and shoes and blah blah blah. but like there's people in the state of maine that only sell shoes that make over a million dollars a year like in our state wow. we're not even close to the biggest shoe resellers she's checking on the baby um <laughs> And, and so like in our small little main bubble, like we're not even a big fish in the pond. And so we say that to say like, we see there's not really a ceiling to this. There's also, uh, I get it too. Like going into the thrift, it's hard sometimes when you're like, oh my gosh, that baseball bat over there. I know a guy who only sells baseball bats and he does 10,000 a month. And then you see the VCR and you're like, man, I know. I know a guy literally on eBay who only does VCRs and he does $25,000 a month. And then, so, but then what it boils down to is I'm going to give a little sports analogy. There's very, very few professional athletes that are professional in multiple sports. Now there's a few, right? Like I'm not saying it's impossible. Um, you know, Deion Sanders, Bo Jackson, just to throw a couple out there, but LeBron James is not a good hockey player. Right. Like, like he's, he's a great analogy, right? -hmm. Like Michael Jordan tried to play baseball. He tried. (laughs) It did not really go that well. So like, don't, don't, don't think a couple things, right? Don't think that you have to do everything Mm -hmm. and then be comforted that you can focus on what you enjoy because there is someone out there that is making thousands of dollars a month flipping wooden pallets. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply or toasters or VCRs. Now you just got to boil it down to what you enjoy and figure out how to put systems in place. Yeah, and to go back to the sports analogy, they're all phenomenal athletes. So you can be a phenomenal reseller and just choose to sell something else so that you can, you know, really sharpen who you are in, in in that area. 
Yeah. It's really exciting. And I also think like for your brand, for what that's worth as well, like you guys are like the shoe couple and everybody knows that. And you're like a go-to person. Like I know people in the community that, you know, they really hyper-focus on Lululemon or like a a boho vibe or like whatever, like when people really do zone in, um, I really help. I think it helps with your branding too. And just, just, just help with your focus in general. Yeah. Doors will open up too. If you have focus, if you're the person who resells absolutely everything, but you're still struggling and you're stressed out, which is common. Like Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine selling three categories, let alone more than that door because we're the shoe people. So many doors open up, like people reach out and either say, Hey, I don't enjoy shoes. I thought I did. Do you want to buy inventory and we'll do it? Or a company will reach out and say, Hey, we can't sell shoes like you, like shoe stores will reach out to us and wow. say, Hey, we're, we've got extra inventory. Can we work something out? And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't, but like, they're not, the shoe company's not reaching out to us. If we've got all this content about like, Oh, we're struggling selling this toaster that we got seven months ago, but we know it's going to be profitable. Yeah. <laughs> One day. We're holding on. We're holding on. <laughs> um, I, I have a question since you guys are, you know, you've been doing this full time. This is the way you pay your bills, right? A lot of people come to Lori and I and ask us, you know, how do you know that you can, that you've reached the point, you've scaled your business to the point where now you can go full time. Like, how do we go about doing that? Like, you know, and, and it's hard for, well, it's hard for me to answer because I, I'm not at that point in my, in my life, you know, and, you know, Lori gives really great tips on it too, but it'd be great to hear your perspective on like, I mean, we've kind of touched upon this as we've been talking, but are there like, you know, specific things that you think people should be looking for, whether it's financially or, uh, business strategy wise before they make that official, like I'm doing this tomorrow. So for us, the big thing was knowing exactly what we needed to make each month, which was actually a lot less than what we thought because we eliminated all the extra stuff and really like base level, this is what we need to bring in to survive this month and then kind of work our way backwards by, okay, we know that we can get a pair of shoes for $5. We can set for $25. We get back that $20 bill. How many times do we need to do that each month and then break it down by week, by day um, in order to make the amount of money to survive? And we knew, you know, we started with that as our goal, right? We knew we needed to sell 100 pairs in order to pay our bills or whatever it was. Um, And then we could set the goal higher and higher and higher as we kind of went along, but you have to make sure that you're obviously, you know how much money you need to make and that you are bringing enough inventory to make that amount of money and profiting enough per item to make that amount of money. If you're, if you're watching, if you're listening to this right now, the $10 to $25 model is very uh, easy to understand. And it's, it's true across multiple marketplaces right now. For shoes, we know for a fact now, a couple years into it, that if we buy a pair of shoes for $10 and it's a brand name and there's hundreds of brand names, it's in good condition, we know we can sell that for $25 on Facebook Marketplace. Now, you might think like, oh my gosh, that's not really that big of a sale. But as Lindsay is saying, that is the building block for a full-time business because then you know, hey, I need to make $5,000 this month. That means I got to do that X amount of times and you can just go. Now that 10 to $25 model on Facebook Marketplace works for clothes. It works for, um, I'm going to make stuff up now. I guarantee you there's people buying VCRs for $25 and you can find them in the thrift for less than 10. Now people might listen to this and say, no, 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 my thrift 
everything's 15 and everything's 20 and it's like well go to a different thrift or Mm -hmm. go on sale days or like we all our content is built around breaking down every excuse people might have but i think what Lindsay said is super important if you're listening to this you can make the decision today and go full time if you know what she just said hey i know Mm -hmm. i need to make five thousand dollars because that's mortgage or rent and that's food and that's you know clothing we call it roof over our head food in our belly and, and clothes on our back scenario and then what we've done is we've tried to find pairs instead of for ten dollars we tried to find them for nine dollars and sell for 25 and we tried to find them for eight dollars and sell them for 25 and then we try to find eight dollar pairs and sell them for 26 and we've tried to find eight dollar pairs and sell them for 30 and then eventually that profit number keeps getting bigger and bigger because you have systems in place and you're building relationships and that can go across any uh, category that you're reselling. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really interesting that you sold that $25, like that was the number for your first thousand pairs, because I think it really uh, was not easy, but it made the numbers nice and pretty to be able to back into that number because you could actually say, well, like the, like for us, it's like, well, some stuff sells for 20 and then, you know, we might have a sweater that sells for 45 and a luxury item that sells for 150. But like, I think in the beginning when you were doing that and everything was $25, I feel like that really probably helped build a real solid foundation on working those numbers and figuring out how to like back into it. And then you could kind of build off of that. Cause I think yeah. a lot of people don't give a lot of credit to those 20, $25 flips. And yeah, we really wanted yeah. a, a number that was difficult for people to barter with or, or say no to, right? It was more like, do we, do I want the pair of shoes or do I not? It wasn't right. like, do I want the pair of shoes for $25 or do I not? And then the, the next step was, okay, so we have $25 for this. Oh, and by the way, there were some pairs that were like $100 pairs that we were selling for $25. I was wondering that, like you just didn't, you didn't add any value to shoes that you knew would go for a lot more. Like you just stuck with that number. Here, here's something, if you're new or you want to build momentum, your goal as a reseller is to eliminate all the friction that you possibly can. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of different ways you can do that, right? Like you can use different marketplaces because not everyone is on eBay and Amazon. We don't use either of those marketplaces. Not everyone is on Facebook. Not everyone is a Poshmark. doesn't mean you have to use all of them, but eliminate the friction. Then it, like what Lindsay's describing is there was very little uh, bartering when a, a pair of shoes was 25 bucks. All they had, like Lindsay said, all they had to do was say, oh my gosh, I want these or not. So very quickly we started instantly as we were listing stuff people were like i'll take it i'll take it i'll take it let's meet up because remember the first thousand pairs was all like i'll meet you at the post office i'll meet you at the police station i'll meet you at the grocery store um and we've we've kept that theme right like how do you eliminate friction while also respecting like i'm not saying eliminate friction buy something for ten dollars and sell it for 12 because you got to respect your bottom line right but, but a business that can double its money uh is a very, very good business. Like if you spend $1 and over $2 comes back in, you can build a monster business and still make mistakes. And we've kept that tried and true o- over the years, but our profit margins have gotten way better. Um, we still sell shoes for $25 uh, that we got for 10 and, and double our money. But that's kind of our release valve now where if it's not moving in the first month or two, we'll, we'll drop the price, we'll double our money, invest that into two more pairs. 
Smart. Honestly, I'm like having an aha moment right yeah, now, right. not to be like dramatic or anything, but you, you just don't hear many people, myself included, talk like this. Like, it's always like, how much can I, how much can I squeeze out of this instead Definitely. of like price it $10 lower and move it. Like I definitely price high and then it's offers and offers and offers and offers and like go like, and I was just looking because Poshmark just updated like their stats where you can see. And I want to say like, I want to say like 66 to 75% of my business is all on offers to likers on Poshmark. And mm. that's because I price high. So, but some of that stuff has also been around for a thousand days, like no joke, you know, which yep. so it's, it's really just kind of refreshing to be like, it's kind of that, like, don't be greedy, like, let it go, like price it fair. And then you'll have people fighting over it as opposed to you yep. begging people to buy it. You know, it's a different model. I don't hear many people talk like this. And it's just mm. like, you've obviously been so successful with it. It's, it's really refreshing. I think a lot of people don't look at the um, sell-through rate number enough, right? So like that was, we've been keeping track of that through from day one. And when our inventory was smaller, we would have 100% sell-through. Every single pair that would come in would go back out when we were pricing everything at $25. And as we've increased our inventory, we we maintain a a high sell-through rate. And I think a lot of people don't, don't keep track of that and don't know about it um, and certainly don't focus on it and don't realize like if I'm, you know, running at a 5% sell-through rate, maybe I need to, to readdress what I'm sourcing, how I'm listing, how I'm pricing and, you know, get some of this stuff out of here. So you're not just storing things. Here's another thing too, that might be comforting. So the model that you just said you were using, it, it's a good model if you can't go out and go sourcing as, as much as you'd like, right? Like there's nothing wrong. There's very successful people that we know that do exactly what you just said, right? Like they bring in stuff, they list high, they wait, they run offers. If it doesn't sell right away, more likers and more people are going to come in. There's another opportunity. They send offers and they they do that because they, they don't have the time to go out and go sourcing nonstop. Mm-hmm. If you are someone who like loves to go sourcing every single week, like us, now you're, you're, you got to really, like you said, talk, think about the sell through rate, think about storage. You don't want to become a storage unit where you're just like taking the stuff from the thrift and holding it at your house or, or, or wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, so both models work. You just have to determine how you function as a person with respect to space that you have money that you want to make and, um, bringing in and, oh yeah. And sourcing strategy. Yeah, it's having those honest conversations with yourself that's the hardest, I think, for for everyone. I mean, even for ourselves, I'm sure you guys have conversations with yourselves too sometimes where it's like, okay, what am I really doing here? Like, what what, what's the actual plan? I need to step back. I need to really think about the process that I have going on. The sort we all love the sourcing. Like that's that's fun part of the job, right? (laughs) Going out there buying stuff. That's the best part. And you keep alluding to it. It does require strategy. And and I agree with that. When I walk me personally, I went to the thrift store, I have like my set places that I want to go to. And I'm usually done pretty fast because I know that's all I'm really looking at. And then sometimes like, you know, I'll mosey around and whatnot, if I don't have a lot going on, but I'm not someone that has time to source the way that other people are able to source. Like I have 45 minutes, I have 30 minutes, I have a plan, I got to go in, I got to do this, this is how much I can spend. And then I'm out the door, unless I plan a full day, and I travel and I go, 
travel. I go to Boston or I go, I go up to New Hampshire or something like that. Then it's different. Then I take my time and I enjoy that process. It's different for me. But if I yeah. didn't have a strategy, I don't know where I would be in terms of reselling. I need, like, I have a price point that I need to hit in terms of how much I'm spending at the thrift store. There's a certain amount of money I would sell price that I need to hit every month to reach my financial goals that I have for myself and my family. Like, these are all the things that keep me in line. And it requires a lot of discipline, which is tough sometimes, yeah. especially when you love the shopping part of it. You know, it, it's difficult to maintain that discipline, but you know, you, I know what works for me. I know what I need to do. And, you know, I think sometimes I feel like I have to have more volume, but I know it's not necessarily true. And I think it's because I'm, I'm, the people that I love and the people that I talk to have more volume than I do. My closet's very small. I sell between, I want to say I have about, right now I have four, 460 items, but like I teeter between 400 and 500 and that's my cozy spot. And I don't typically yeah. get higher than that. And when I get higher than that, I struggle. So like, yeah. you know, I, I, I am curious to know, like, how did you decide that since you're in a very niche thing, like how did you decide it was time to grow the volume the way that you have now to reach that, you know, 3,500 that you have and still maintain and implement all those same things in your business that you've done from day one? Because I'm, I'm sure it can get difficult when you, because I notice it with my small little increases that I do. Yeah, we grow uh, methodically and it might, I, don't, I wouldn't say we grow fast, even though we, we in the first month we pay all our bills, like, but the, whenever we grow or take a risk or like there's been times throughout the last couple of years where there's been large chunks of shoes that we've had an opportunity and we've talked about it. Can we handle buying this lot or can we handle this? We never, ever, ever, ever make a bet or buy a chunk that if someone stole all those shoes we just bought, it would ruin us. Right. Um, and, and there has been people that have stole shoes from us. There has been times where our apartment roof has, you know, caved in and leaked into where the shoes are. Let me get rid of. So like we never overspend. We know what our buying budget is every single week. Uh, we push that, you know, when we first started, our buying budget was no joke. Our buying budget for the week was like $20 and mm -hmm. we were going to the bins, of course. Mm -hmm. and then now I love the main bins I know yeah, the main oh man we've been to a couple bins and the main bins are a lot more chill than the way life should be right yeah <laughs> and I get it I get it. it's like hungry hungry hippo and you want to like get in there because the stuff's so inexpensive but uh compared to some of the other bins places like I've had old ladies like drop <laughs> elbows on me I'm sure you have I'm and sure I you let have. Them go. I let them go they got that old lady strength I'm talking like 80 90 year olds that are just like I want that shoe and I'm like you can have it yeah right. <laughs> take it I respect I respect you have earned the right to have no big compliment to Maine I just think that Agreed. the people at those bins are just so kind I mean Boston full of attitude. I really, really miss my Boston bins so much because the inventory was amazing there. Um, New Hampshire is a lot to navigate. Uh, and, but that's like my, that's where I go now because it's the closest for me. But every time I go up to Maine, I'm like, this is like a breath of fresh air up here, <laughs> literally <laughs> and figuratively. So Danielle, you're Danielle, you're in Rhode, Rhode Island. Island. Where, yeah. where are you? I'm in central mass. I'm about 20 miles outside of Boston, West of Boston. All right. So I'm so, like, all we do is source in Boston and New Hampshire. Okay. Why do we ever run into each other? <laughs> like, no joke. Uh, 
the reason we do that is because it's been very hard to hit our goals up here in Maine with some of the thrifts. They're also going northern New England Goodwills are going through some some stuff right now where they just don't have the staff and they're that's like a whole nother a whole nother podcast. But um, we have found that obviously savers uh, in the Boston area. We've never been to the savers in Rhode Island, but we go to the 15 savers around Boston. We have a north wow. north of Boston route and a south of Boston route. And we only go in, we don't even go to the whole entire shoe section. We usually just go to like the athletic stuff um, and peek into the kids stuff. And then we're on to the next. So we will go to seven or eight savers in a day and then drive two and a half hours home. Wow. We should, um, we should talk. We should meet up at the the two savers that I go to the most um, that are, that are close to me. You're saying that you go North and South of Boston, which is funny because I'm West of Boston. So that's probably... This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble why I don't see you as much because I'm probably in this neck of the woods. I've done, yeah. I've done North, North shore and South shore as well, but this is kind of where I spend most of my time just because there's one that's like 12 minutes away and one that's like 30 minutes away. What the nearest, yeah. the nearest, <laughs> our nearest is an hour and a half. And that's, um, oh, wow. it's in Newington. And then we, we go I've to like that one. I've been to Newington. There's like a Mexican restaurant right next to it, correct? Yes. yes. (laughs) I meet a friend. I meet a friend who lives in New Hampshire and we thrifted savers and then we go get Mexican for lunch. Smart move. Smart move. You should come down here too. There's some good spots. I'll have to show you guys around. We we always, it's always time-wise. We've we've actually gone from Maine down to New Jersey and back, but that was when we were sourcing um, Nike outlets a lot. Yeah. It's, it's a long drive. For me to get to you guys, it's like three hours. <laughs> it's nice, though. Yeah. It's a nice drive, but it's long. Yeah, for sure. You got to go where the inventory is. So that's what we So true. Yeah. Yep. I feel like outside of the bins, I struggle with the Goodwills and the Savers. Goodwills, primarily. Yeah, I struggle I with Goodwills. When I was doing my Thrift Across New England series, and I went to the goodwill in Maine and uh, I don't know I was in southern Maine I don't think I was I don't think I was in Portland but um well I guess Portland isn't really considered way up there but further yeah. south um and I yeah. was really surprised at the prices how high they were yeah so the the main goodwills they go in this this wave right like depending on who they because there's new managers the turnover of the staff is is frequent and so like a, when a new manager will come in they'll kind of say, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to raise all the prices and we're going to make more money. And then that lasts for maybe 60 days. And they realize like, we're not selling anything. Uh, let's mm-hmm. lower the prices. And then they lower the prices and they sell through all the inventory so quickly that they're like, we got to price it higher because mm-hmm. we're not keeping up and then no one buys it. And so it goes on these waves. Then combined with the rewards programs, um, you can get pairs still under $10. You just got to make sure you're very strategic with your sale days and the rewards programs up here in Maine, at least it's way easier. Not, it's not easy, but it's easier, um, at places like savers where it's very clear cut, like, Hey, 
going 30, 30% off. It's 30% off right now. I see. Yes, it is. Like, <laughs> yeah. Veterans Day. Yeah, yeah. Going after this. Hey, nice. <laughs> I'm sorry, I totally interrupted you when you were talking about the band people elbowing you, and we totally went off on a tangent. I don't remember where we were. Show most strategies. The bins, man. So I got a bin story. Oh, Danielle had asked you how you built up to the the thirty five hundred. You were talking about your twenty dollar a week budget. That that's where you started. Yeah. So so because we knew exactly what our bills were, and we were going with the ten to twenty five dollar on Facebook Marketplace, we were just like, all right, let's do this as much as we can. Every time we had a twenty dollar bill. We'd go to the bins and you can buy, you know, eight pairs at the bins for, for $20. We'd come home that day. We'd clean them. We'd photograph them in the living room. Uh, you know, the light coming into the window and we'd post them on Facebook for $25 and we'd set up deliveries. And when that money came in, we knew out of that money coming in, how much we had to peel off to pay the bills at the end of the month. And the rest was the buying budget. So for a while it was 20 bucks a week. And then that grew and then that grew. And then we realized after over a thousand pairs sold, we don't have to go to the bins because now our buying budget's bigger. Let's try to look into, you know, where inventory might be a little bit more expensive, but it might be in better condition. We might have to do less work. Um, we call it sweat equity. And then we got into sourcing the outlets and new shoes where we're like, holy smokes, you don't have to clean any of these shoes. But it's like a different model, right? Like the, the pairs cost a lot more. And so then we grew into we went, we did a huge swing, right. From like all used shoes to half and half to like, Holy smokes, we went all new shoes for a while. And then the margins are just not even close to used shoes. Like you can, you can very frequently buy a pair for $10 and sell them for 40 or 50. And those, those margins are insane. So we reverted back to um, more of a used shoe model. And, And the reason I'm answering it long winded is, is we've, toyed with different models new used uh mixture of both and then we realized like 80 to 90 percent used with trickling in 10 uh you know to 20 percent new has allowed us to really source any given day of the week uh and be able to hit our profit goals and bring in a lot of inventory another um part of our business in the beginning which would be good for a lot of people starting out that don't have a huge buying budget but want to try to have a larger inventory is consignment so like we would go to our friends and family or um you know anyone around and we would tell them we're selling shoes and we would take in their shoes on consignment and once you know we'd get them for free and then once they sold you know we'd split however you know whatever percentage we wanted to split with the person but it was a really good way to up our inventory with zero risk to us besides our time Mm -hmm. um, and work through the kinks of having that larger inventory without spending the money and being like whoopsies yeah and and we have a video that goes into like real in-depth about this because it's such a good way but you also got to be careful because there will be a ton of people that will not, not well Lindsay mentioned our friends and family we're not talking about friends and family but there'll be people like oh these people want to bring in my shoes and sell them for me and they'll try to give you a bunch of fake shoes or they'll try to give you a bunch of shoes that the market value is just not there right and they're trying to get you to like sell them and we realized the hard way and we, in our video we share a bunch of lessons about that where people would before we, we realized how to authenticate shoes they'd be like here's 100 pairs of jordans and we were like, oh my God, you're giving us all these Jordans to sell. This is crazy. And then we'd look closer and we're like, 
what? This doesn't feel right. And then people online would be like, yo, this is fake shoe. What are you doing? And we'd be like, what? And we'd authentic, we'd try to authenticate it and realize uh, this isn't the right thing. So you just got to be careful. Start with your friends and family. Uh, grow from there. It's a, it's a real amazing way to scale. Yeah, I think it's, uh, and we, we've talked about this, Lori and I, before too, like start in your house and build your inventory that way, make your money and then use that money and then go out in the thrift store, set yourself a budget and and start growing that way. I mean, we all started, I mean, I didn't, I kind of started that way with things that I had in my house that I just wanted new things and, you know, I started flipping and, and that's how I kind of got this business started was I used things I had in my house and I used that money and kept going, kept going, kept going. Um, you mentioned Facebook Marketplace a lot, and I know it's a it's a part of your business. And last year in 2020, it was a huge part of your business. I felt like it is it was your main way of of uh, I don't know flipping shoes. That's what it felt like when I was watching you guys on social media. Um, can you talk a little about that whole process and how how last year you had a challenge that was going on too? Was that was that last year? Was that 2020? Was that 2019? I don't remember. Well, we've done we've done a couple follow the flip challenges where in a in a month we go from zero to a thousand dollars. I think cash. that's what it was. Yeah, we yeah. Documented that, and that was on on. Uh, I think we did one on Facebook Marketplace, and then one using multiple marketplaces. Mm. Um, the here's the bummer. I'll, let me put it this way: with Facebook Marketplace, unfortunately, it's just not the same for everyone. And I like, for example, eBay everyone's got the same rules, right? Like there's, there might be tiers if you're like a top rated seller. Poshmark, everyone's got the same rules. Uh, Mercari, everyone's got the same rules. For some reason, and I'll use some personal examples, Facebook's not the same for everyone. They like roll out stuff and some people have it and some don't. And so when we first started, uh, we didn't know any of those rules. And so I got kicked off Facebook a bunch because I was listing like tons of shoes. <laughs> on these local groups and they're like yo buddy you can only list four pairs a day slow down and i was like wait i was like wait what there's a mount and they're like yeah you have you're suspended for three days and i was like oh all right we gotta go to her and then and then we saw people now fast forward as we're using facebook marketplace we saw people shipping and sell like on facebook marketplace literally two years went by and we we never had the ability to ship oh, wow. on Facebook Marketplace. Like it, it wouldn't allow us to do it. Um, and then it did after two years. And now we do zero local meetups and we pay, we're paying off our house with Facebook Marketplace. It's our, wow. it's our third, it's our third best marketplace. It goes Poshmark, Mercari, and then. It's taken over Mercari though. Oh, it's, it's our second best. Yeah. That's why she's the numbers. I have no yeah, idea. Like she knows. <laughs> yeah. But like, like, our yeah, they don't take much of a cut right isn't face is it 10 percent? what do they take no, on it's five percent or, or sometimes it's zero that's what i mean like some, sometimes yeah. we'll say hey we're getting no fees taken off and someone will be like no 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 it's five percent and we're like no it's not and then all of a sudden people reach out to us and they say oh i'm not getting any fees taken out and we're like oh it's five percent for us so like that's what i mean by it's like, like the wild gotta, west right now but if you yeah. know like you guys started there so you you were so seasoned in it that you've been able to kind of grow into this role with the shipping because like i know a lot of people are trying it now because the fees are low but because it's so kind of crazy and inconsistent a lot of people get spooked mm. or yeah, they just and don't have it, luck with it we yeah. we've also we, one question we get about facebook is like how do i set up my business account to like list and do all, and we're like we have no idea. We list we, as Ryan and Lindsay, like our personal Facebook accounts, because 
we don't care if our friends and family see that we're selling shoes. They obviously know that's what we do. Um, And so don't overthink it. But, and here's the last thing I'll say, try it, right? Give it 30 days, give it 60 days. And you may say, I don't like this. I don't like doing, doing this, whether it's Facebook or Poshmark or or eBay uh, or whatever, give it a chance give it an honest chance. And then if it's, if it's not working out, just drop it and try something else. Like we tried to push ourselves on eBay for a long time. And we were, we were selling between five and $6,000 a month in shoes, but we were dreading using it because personal preference, like a lot of the riffraff that you got to deal with on eBay is just non-existent elsewhere. And there's pros and cons with every marketplace. But like, I guess the moral of the story I'm trying to say is like, if you're not enjoying not, if you're not enjoying the category, try something else. But if you're not enjoying the marketplace, try yeah. another one. You can build a full-time business on each of them. Mm-hmm. I also love for shoes. And for me personally, I love listing my heavy boots on Poshmark and not like dealing with the shipping on eBay. Yeah. So like yeah. I do cross post a lot, but I am so much more apt to list on Poshmark knowing it's just like, you know, that, that easy fee. And mm-hmm. I think my buyer is happy too, because, you know, I have to work that into my price over on eBay and inevitably I sell the, you know, the Doc Martin heavy boots to somebody in California <laughs> and like, it's just like crazy, you know? So I appreciate yeah. Poshmark for the simplicity of shipping, especially when it comes to shoes for me. Yeah. But then I love listing on eBay. If I have like scarves or like sports bras, then I, then I feel bad with the fees on Poshmark for things like that. Yeah. You know, so it's interesting. Yeah. That makes sense. I've been yeah. in a, a love-hate relationship with eBay, and I think at the end of the year, I'm officially going to drop it. I had a really bad experience this past week with the buyer and with eBay customer service, and I uh, not only did I have to refund the buyer, but I don't have products now to resell, and it was a product that um, I paid up for. So yeah. after, the, after the end of the year, I'm going to give it to the end of the year, and then I'm going to pull everything off, and I'm going to be done, because it just... Um, this is the second time it's happened to me and I haven't have not had a great experience with eBay customer service and I know that I can make good sales there I know there's opportunity there to international buyers but to lose out on product and money at the same time and not really get the support that I probably would have gotten on Poshmark um, you know Poshmark has its quirks every platform has things that we love and hate no matter no matter what but I feel like in this situation, I've been in the same situation before on Poshmark, Poshmark would have sided with both buyer and seller, taking care of both people and you move on kind of thing. With eBay, yeah. there's no siding with the with the seller. And that's frustrating. Yeah, I think right. the gold in what you're saying, and I think people can learn a lot from what you just said, you're going to give it a healthy mm-hmm. evaluation, right? Like it mm-hmm. doesn't mean if, if one bad thing happens, it's not like, oh my gosh, uh, I got to someone took advantage of me on Mercari. The the marketplace is horrible. I'm never going to use it. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. You have to give it a healthy evaluation. And then based on that healthy evaluation, which you're doing clearly, you evaluate, is this going to be more beneficial to me or less? And for us on eBay, there was so many more cons than pros, but we know people 
that absolutely are crushing on eBay. And I think now if you're a listener of this, that's the best case scenario, right? Like you can win on any of these marketplaces. We've sold over half a million dollars on Poshmark after the fees. We've sold over $100,000 on Mercari after the fees. We've sold over $100,000 on Facebook. Now what? Like, Mm -hmm. just go. Just absolutely go. And of course, there's people doing millions on uh, eBay. It's crazy. It's crazy. I think this year with cross-posting, with uh, services like Vendu and List Perfectly, it's really opened up the category, the different marketplaces for people. But I also yep. think that that's added a lot of stress and it's been overwhelming to people who try to get on everything, myself included. Like I've been really struggling with Amazon and to speak with the, um, to what you were saying about profit margins, I am spending like thousands on Amazon and there are people who are killing it and I'm in these groups and I'm so motivated by them but at the same time I'm also like overwhelmed because that's the only thing they're doing so they're loving it and I'm trying to juggle a couple different platforms and YouTube and stuff and I'm just realizing I just I just don't love it and there's a lot of inventory in the house and but I think hearing like I think Clubhouse came out and people were listening to different things, at least I was, and hearing people all excited about Amazon or you talk about cross-listing to multiple platforms. And in the end, you know, if you are going to spread yourself that thin, there, there, you know, there, there are pros and cons. And I feel like there will be some repercussions to, to trying to be everything, you know? So I think yeah. it's good to self-reflect like you're doing Daniela and kind of like figure out what's working for you or like you guys, um, with, with marketplace and figuring that eBay wasn't your thing. And then it just, it gives you the time to really lean into what is working. Yeah. I mean, we, we put a lot of, uh, stock into mental real estate and to give you some actual numbers, like we sell on average 700 pairs a month and we average two returns a month. That's fantastic. so like we never have to talk to customer service. We never have and to. That's usually stuff that we mess up. Yeah, the, no, that's me. I, I definitely mess up. Like I, I ship an 11 and a half when it was an 11 or like we just had one return because I shipped the wrong bean boot. Like, and that's, that's literally user error, meaning mm-hmm. me. It's not mm-hmm. some customer saying wearing it for 30 days and then saying it doesn't right. fit and then you get junk back because that's what happened to us. And I won't say specific yeah. marketplaces, but like, but here's the, here's the flip side of it. If you don't share your listings every single day on Poshmark, if that's like your kryptonite, then just don't use Poshmark because you have to do that. You have yeah. to do that. So pros and cons with every marketplace, figure out what works best for you. It may change over time, right? Like you may, uh, you may drop eBay at the end of the year and then after a year say, I'm going to bring it back on. And that's okay. That's what's like yeah. the best part about being resellers, whether you're part-time or full-time is you are in control of the car and you can decide how fast or slow it goes yeah it's awesome and uh we all know you for your sweat equity videos that you guys put out there cleaning the shoes that is what you guys are known for so i thought it'd be fun to kind of close the podcast with some of your maybe best tips for clean you know cleaning shoes how did you first of all how did you find the products that you find that work best right and you're like you're like heavily invested in cleaning shoes and I love it because I like cleaning shoes and a lot of people hate it (laughs) so I I love that you like cleaning shoes well Um, and also number one this this is gonna blow your mind the number one the best possible way to clean shoes is to source shoes that don't need a lot of cleaning. Yes. Because <laughs> listen to me, like people, people miss this. We've said it to exhaustion. We look at 
10,000 plus pairs a day and we bring home a hundred. Like what we're not, we're not saying sweat equity, go into your thrift and find the dirtiest, crappiest pair of shoes and come home and put it on your nice countertop and, you know, (laughs) glove up and like, it's all smelly and like all this stuff. No, we're, what we're, what we talk about sweat equity is a couple different things. Obviously cleaning the shoes is sweat equity, but traveling two hours down to where you guys live mm-hmm. to go to those thr- thrifts because they're better because they have a bigger selection, which means we can say no to more shoes, mm-hmm. which means we only bring home the shoes where we got to clean the bottom, uh, touch up the midsole. We're talking less than two minutes per pair cleaning the shoes. And that's with YouTube in the background. That's with Avery, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, cleaning shoes with us now. Uh, <laughs> like, I mean, you can be the person that only goes to one thrift and brings home a bunch of dirty shoes and spends hours cleaning them, but that's not our jam. Like our jam is let's put, let's put some profit into these shoes by cleaning them up um, less than two minutes per pair. And then it's game on. Now, of course, we've got a bunch of tools that we use that make it easier. Uh, we use a soft bristle brush on a power drill instead of, you know, imagine this was Can't a help. brush. I don't maybe a million times I was, I would do this. And then I realized how do I replicate this motion? And then now I just pull the trigger on the drill. Smart. The soft bristle brush turns. Uh, grandma's sneaker cleaner is our secret. Um, it's literally called grandma's secret. I wrote that down the last video I watched. Me too. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so that, and we just love it. We're not sponsored by them by any means, but if grandma wants to reach out to us, (laughs) if you'd like to sponsor, please do. (laughs) Yeah. If grandma wants to send, I mean, we, we love supporting. We order a lot of it. Um, magic erasers, you know, are wonders, even though they break apart. Um, just, just focus on, the fun part, right? The hunt Mm -hmm. and bring home shoes that don't need a lot of cleaning. And then over time, you guys know this, but if you're watching this over time, you stop seeing the dirty shoes in the thrift. You start seeing them cleaned because you know what it takes. And all of a sudden you're bringing home more shoes because Mm -hmm. we'll go into the, into the thrifts after tons of resellers have gone through and we'll still bring a car home. Mm. Um, Just one more question to go along with that. I'm sure people are very curious if you guys have help. So do you have any employees? Yeah, Mm. yeah, absolutely. Present day, we absolutely do. Um, We, we cleaned, sourced and sold well over 10,000 pairs of shoes ourselves before we said, Hey, why don't we try to build a team around this and, and maybe free up some time. So I say that to say now when we bring on staff, um, we, we know exactly how to train them. We know exactly the, everything to give them to be successful. We currently have virtual assistants that help us with some stuff. We have people here in Maine. Um, We've just started hiring uh, cleaners and photographers. So we have four people that in the last two weeks we've hired and they clean and photograph from their own home. Um, What else? We have a listing team. Yeah, we have virtual assistants who list and share our closet. And then we have physical humans here in Maine that um, clean and photograph. I think that's all. Yeah, we still do all the shipping six days a week. Um, oh, and we're experimenting oh, with yeah. having people source for us. So I was gonna to say that, do you, are you still gonna be sourcing yourselves? Or are you gonna to start to outsource that as well? 
Yeah, yesterday we tried out someone going to all the savers for us um, and sourcing. We have to pick up the pairs today, so fingers crossed. Yeah, <laughs> and and again, the way that we do that is we try to eliminate the friction, right? Like we've we've had people say, "Hey, uh, I, I see you guys want people to go source for you. I'm worried I won't pick up, you know, the right stuff." And so yesterday, the person that was sourcing for us in every store was FaceTiming. They would fill the cart with the list of brands that we gave them and then take literally four minutes. They would jump on FaceTime and be like, what about this? We'd be like, yep. What about this? Yep. What about this? Nope. What about this? Nope. And very quickly, uh, he sourced 148 pairs for us and we're going to go pick them up today. That's fantastic. Wow. Yeah. You guys are super, super inspiring. This has been one of my favorite interviews in a while. This is agreed, just and it's nice you guys are local too. So yeah, there's always yeah, like, we, there's extra love for my New England friends for sure. We we thoroughly enjoy. If you see us in the thrift, for sure, absolutely say hi. Uh, we love meeting with people in the thrift. Whenever we see people in the thrift, we always will like split whatever's in our cart with, with them. Like we do like a little, you take this one, I'll take this one. Cause there's enough to go around. And we, we, it's more important to us to build relationships than to, you know, go in and take all the shoes out of the thread. <laughs> right, right. Wanna, it's there's so enough true. to go around. They're absolutely like, Yeah. I, I feel like just talking to you guys, there's just this humbleness about you. And there's this uh, element of not being afraid to work hard and to be honest. And you definitely don't have that like scarcity mentality. Like when you made reference to the person in Maine who's doing like, you know, million dollars and refer to yourself as the small fish in the big pond. And that's not how a lot of yeah. people see you, but that's how you see yourself. And um, just that there's, you know, you, you said things like, you know, that there is no ceiling, the possibilities that like, it's just, it's really nice to hear you talk in that way, because it can be a competitive environment at times or, or the 90 year old that elbowed you for the shoe. You just gave it to her. Like, yeah, <laughs> I can tell she you, you're, you're a sweet couple and it's, yeah. it's really nice. You just very hard work. You're very mean to me. You're very yeah. mean. Yeah. <laughs> they are in the right place for sure. It's great. It's great. It was so wonderful to talk with you. Daniela, do you have any last questions? For I, just wanna, like, for us? I just want to know, like, where do you see yourself in the next three, three years, five years? Like, where, where do you see this going for you guys? We certainly have um, goals to branch into real estate and take, you know, kind of get our shoe selling to a plateau that we're comfortable with mm -hmm. um, and then start funneling money from that into um, real estate will be the next. Yeah. And, and it's important to us. We want to, the super long-term goal is, is shoes are going to pay for chunks of land all around the world that we're going to own. And whether what, what we do with that land, whether, you know, we've yeah. rent it out, build on it, things of that nature. And so um, to give people motivation of what might be possible, uh, Facebook marketplace alone is paying for this house that we just bought in the woods, bought this house from a guy who flips Bitcoin. Oh, wow. <laughs> we, we met, we met a gentleman who was in his sixties uh, when we were at a Nike outlet about a year and a half ago, who does over $20 million a year, only reselling shoes. Damn. Like the, we say it all the time. That number <laughs> register. Like, yeah, God. like over and he was totally chill. He was he, the yeah. reason that we focus on the systems and the teams is like, he was like, yeah, I just have teams going up and down the East coast. And I have a, if you guys want to come have coffee with us, he has a house in New Hampshire and 
And I was thinking like to do 20 million, you must be at bonkers. And he's like, no, nah, I'm just, my wife and I go every once in a while and source, but the whole team sources and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But the reason I'm saying all that to wrap this whole conversation up is like, there is so much opportunity. You, you don't have to do 20 million. I'm not saying that, but like, don't, don't sell yourself short, like figure out what your goal is. And then there is a way to do it both respecting your time, your sanity and your budget. Like just game on the opportunity is so real. Love that so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for everyone who listened today. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation because we did. We love yeah, that. We did as well. yeah, we absolutely yeah. love this. All right. We got to do like a little New England meetup at some yes. point. Yes, absolutely. Count us fun. in for sure. All right. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. This is just a reminder that Thrifters Villas Patreon is officially live. You can find us on patreon.com backslash Thrifters Villa. It is just $5 a month where we're going to offer you bonus content, extra episodes, a free downloadable a month, and live events. So make sure to check us out there and we will see you next week.